and welcome to the Brothers Grimm Lunch Break. I'm Eric Wagoner. Today I'll be reading Fitcher's Bird. Once upon a time there was a sorcerer who used to assume the guise of a poor man and go begging from house to house to catch beautiful girls. No one knew where he took them, since none of the girls ever returned. One day he appeared at the door of a man who had three beautiful daughters. He looked like a poor, weak beggar, and carried a basket on his back as though to collect handouts in it. He begged for some food, and when the oldest daughter came out to hand him a piece of bread, he had only to touch her, and that compelled her to jump into his basket. Then he rushed away with great strides and carried her to his house in the middle of a dark forest. Everything was splendid inside the house, and he gave her whatever she desired. "'My darling,' he said, I'm sure you'll like it here, for there's everything your heart desires. After a few days had gone by, he said, I must go on a journey and leave you alone for a short time. Here are the keys to the house. You may go wherever you want and look at everything except one room, which this small key here opens. If you disobey me, you shall be punished by death. He also gave her an egg and said, I'm giving you this egg for safekeeping. You're to carry it wherever you go. If you lose it, then something awful will happen. She took the keys and the egg and promised to take care of everything. When he was gone, she went all around the house and explored it top to bottom. The rooms glistened with silver and gold, and she was convinced that she had never seen so much splendor. Finally, she came to the forbidden door. She wanted to walk past it, but curiosity got the better of her. She examined the key, which looked like all the others, stuck it into the lock, and turned it a little, and the door sprang open. But what did she see when she entered? There was a large, bloody basin in the middle of the room, and it was filled with dead people who had been chopped to pieces. Next to the basin was a block of wood with a glistening axe on top of it. She was so horrified by this that she dropped the egg she had been holding in her hand, and it plopped into the basin. She took it out and wiped the blood off, but to no avail. The blood reappeared instantly. She wiped and scraped, but she could not get rid of the spot. Not long after this, the sorcerer came back from his journey, and the first things he demanded from her were the keys and the egg. When she handed them to him, she was trembling and he perceived right away, by the red spots on the egg, that she had been in the bloody chamber. "'Since you went into that chamber against my will,' he said, "'you shall go back in against your will. This is the end of your life.' He threw her down, dragged her along by the hair, and cut her head off on the block, and chopped her into pieces so that her blood flowed on the floor. Then he tossed her into the basin with the others.' Now I shall fetch the second daughter, said the sorcerer. Once again he went to the house in the guise of a poor man and begged. When the second daughter brought him a piece of bread, he caught her as he had the first, just by touching her. Then he carried her away, and she fared no better than her sister, for she succumbed to her own curiosity. She opened the door to the bloody chamber, looked inside, and had to pay for this with her life when the sorcerer returned from his journey. Now he went and fetched the third daughter, but she was smart and cunning. After he had given her the keys and the egg and had departed, 
she put the egg away in a safe place. Then she explored the house and eventually came to the forbidden chamber. But, oh, what did she see? Her two dear sisters lay there in the basin, cruelly murdered and chopped to pieces. However, she set to work right away, gathered the pieces together, and arranged them in their proper order, head, body, arms, and legs. When nothing more was missing, the pieces began to move and join together. Both the maidens opened their eyes and were alive again. Then they all rejoiced, kissed, and hugged each other. When the sorcerer returned, he demanded his keys and egg right away, and when he could not discover the least trace of blood, he said, You've passed the test, and you shall be my bride. But he no longer had any power over her, and had to do what she requested. All right, she answered, but first I want you to carry a basket full of gold to my father and mother, and you're to carry it on your back by yourself. In the meantime, I shall prepare for the wedding. Then she ran to her sisters, whom she had hidden in a little chamber. The time has come when I can save you, she said. The villain himself shall carry you back home. But as soon as you get there, you must send me help. She put her two sisters into a basket and covered them completely with gold until nothing could be seen of them at all. Then she called the sorcerer to her and said, Now take the basket away, but don't you dare stop and rest along the way. I'll be keeping an eye on you from my window. The sorcerer lifted the basket onto his back and went on his way. The basket, however, was so heavy that sweat ran down his face. At one point he sat down and wanted to rest for a while, but one of the sisters called from the basket, I can see through my window that you're resting. Get a move on at once. Whenever he stopped along the way, he heard a voice and had to keep moving. Although he had run out of breath and was groaning, he finally managed to bring the basket with the gold and the two maidens to their parents' house. Back at his place, the bride was preparing the wedding feast and sent invitations to all the sorcerer's friends. Then she took a skull with grinning teeth, decorated it with jewels and a wreath of flowers, carried it up to the attic window, and set it down so it faced outward. When everything was ready, she dipped herself into a barrel of honey, cut open a bed, and rolled around in the feathers, so she looked like a strange bird, and it was impossible to recognize her. Afterward, she went out of the house, and on the way she met some of the wedding guests, who asked, "'Where are you coming from, O Fitcher's bird?' "'From Fitzy Fitcher's house, haven't you heard?' "'And what may the young bride be doing there?' "'She swept the whole house from top to bottom. "'Just now she's looking out the attic window.' Finally, she met the bridegroom, who was walking back slowly. He also asked, "'Where are you coming from, O Fitcher's bird?' "'From Fitzy Fitcher's house, haven't you heard?' "'And what may the young bride be doing there?' "'She swept the whole house from top to bottom. "'Just now she's looking out the attic window.' The bridegroom looked up and saw the decorated skull. He thought it was his bride, and nodded and greeted her in a friendly way. However, once he and his guests were all gathered inside the house, the bride's brother and relatives arrived. They had been sent to rescue her, and they locked all the doors of the house to prevent anyone from escaping. Then they set fire to the house, and the sorcerer and all his cronies were burned to death. The End The Brothers Grim Lunch Break is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. Download it and share it all you'd like, 
but don't change it or sell it. The translations used are copyright Jack Zipes and are used with permission. His collected translations, The Complete Fairy Tales of the Brothers Grimm, is available on the media of your choice from Bantam Books. The music is Mount Timbrel by Jamie Janover off his All Strings Considered album, available on magnatune.com. If you'd like to listen to any of the other tales, you can find them on our website, www.grimlunch.org, where you can also leave comments or subscribe through iTunes. Thank you for listening. Thank you.